Hey everybody, it's Adam, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. We hope that our time together will challenge you, encourage you, and inspire you to take the next step in your relationship with Christ. So in the weeks leading up to Christmas this year, we have been exploring different elements of what this season is all about through some of our favorite Christmas films. And this morning, we're going to touch on one of those great classics, one that you've probably all seen and possibly read along the way. This morning, we're exploring the message of Christmas through the story of how the Grinch stole Christmas. You may remember how that story begins. Every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot, but the Grinch who lived just north of Whoville did not. The Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season, Now please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be perhaps that his shoes were too tight. It could be that his head wasn't screwed on just right. But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. But whatever the reason, his heart or his shoes, he stood there on Christmas Eve hating the Hoos. But how could anyone possibly hate the Hoos? I mean, the Who's never did anything to the Grinch or to use. Instead, they kept to themselves and minded their holiday business and simply tried to enjoy their little Whoville Christmas. They enjoyed it with shrieks, with squeaks, and with squeals, racing around on their fancy Who wheels. They enjoyed it as they danced with jing tinglers tied to their heels. They enjoyed it as they blew their flu-fluvers and banged their tartukas. They enjoyed it as they blew their hoo-hoppers and banged their garducas. They enjoyed it as they spun their trumtukas and slammed their sluslunkas. And they enjoyed it as they beat their blumboobas and whammed their hoo-wonkas. They enjoyed it as they gathered around that Whoville Christmas tree, joining hands and all beginning to sing. Fahu dores, dahu dores, welcome Christmas, come this way. Fahu fores, dahu dores, welcome Christmas, Christmas Day. Welcome, welcome, Fahu Ramas, welcome, welcome, dahu damas. Christmas Day is in our grasp as long as we have hands to clasp. And how could anyone ever hate the cutest who down in Whoville? A little who who was no more than two named Cindy Lou. A who who was so innocent and naive that she couldn't help but wonder why the Grinch dressed as Santa Claus was trying to steal her tree. But still the Grinch hated Christmas and the whole Christmas boom. No no wonder Thurl Ravenscroft would famously croon, You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel. Mr. Grinch, you're a bad banana. With a greasy black peel, you're a monster, Mr. Grinch. Your heart's an empty hole. Your brain is full of spiders. You've got garlic in your soul. Mr. Grinch, I wouldn't touch you with a 39-and-a-half-foot pole. Now, before I get too caught up in the rhyme and rhythm of Dr. Seuss, I have to confess to you that after rereading the story and re-watching this movie and even seeing the newest film they just put out this week, I'm convinced that the Grinch gets a really bad rap about the way that he feels about Christmas. Now, I'm not saying that the Grinch isn't mean or that he's not a heel. That he's, I'm not saying that the Grinch isn't as cuddly as a cactus or as charming as an eel because the Grinch is all of those things and more in the story. 
What I'm saying is that the Grinch gets a bad rap for feeling the same way about Christmas that a lot of us end up feeling about Christmas by the time December 25th finally rolls around. Now, it may hurt your feeling to be compared to someone who is best described with the three words that follow, and I quote, stink, stank, stunk. But if you stop and you think about what the Grinch hated about this season, you realize that you probably hate the same things too. The Grinch says this himself inside of the story. He says, there's one thing I hate, all the noise, 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 noise. Now, for the Grinch, he's talking about the noise that the Who's make while they're celebrating Christmas down in Whoville. But for us, there's plenty of other noise that happens this time of year that makes us feel a little Grinchy by the time Christmas comes around. Like all of the advertisements that you see on TV. All of the advertisements that you see trying to get you to buy something before Christmas rolls around, like Lexus. Lexus is probably the most famous advertiser for this, because every year they roll out commercial after commercial trying to convince us to buy new cars with their December to remember sales event. What I always wonder is, why does it have to be December to remember? Why is it never November to remember or September to remember? Why does it always have to be December before they start rolling out these incessant, Car commercials, or Honda. Over the last several years, Honda's been rolling out what they call their Happy Honda Days uh, advertising campaign. And one of, the, one of my favorite commercials that's come out through all of this campaign over the last several years is they have a commercial where the, the spokesperson asks, are you a millionaire? No. Then you probably don't give people cars as Christmas presents. The implication being, so just buy one for yourself instead, since we know you're not giving them away. And if it's not enough for the advertisement to start driving you crazy, then there's all of the Christmas songs that we hear this time of year. Like the one about the snowman with the corncob pipe and a button nose and two eyes made out of coal. Or maybe you prefer the one with the three squeaky voice chipmunks where you keep hearing that one in the lead whining about wanting a hula hoop for Christmas this year. And it's not that we dislike songs like Frosty the Snowman and the Chipmunks Christmas song. What we dislike is that we have been hearing these songs on repeat in shopping malls and strip centers and discount stores since Halloween started rolling around. Months on end, Christmas song after Christmas song after Christmas song is playing. And if that's not enough, if that's not enough, then you also have your fellow shoppers when you're going out and you're trying to purchase Christmas gifts this time of year. And when you walk out of your house, when you're headed toward the mall, you have to deal with all of the noise that surrounds that shopping experience, like the blaring horn uh, that everybody seems to want to honk as you're driving around in a parking lot because you're either trying to get into their space, take their space, keep them from getting into a space, whatever it is. And once you make it past the shopping mall's parking lot, then you have to go into the store where you're going to hear other customers Customers raising their voices with the cashiers, and heaven forbid that you walk by the display in every mall this time of year where Santa is set up, because if you walk by Santa's display, you are going to hear some poor mother or father scalding their kid because they're crying on Santa's lap, and they just paid for these Christmas pictures. There is so much noise that surrounds us this time of year that it's enough to make all of us a little crazy. So whether we want to admit it or not, we're all at least a little like the Grinch. Whether you want to admit it or not, we're all at least a little like the Grinch. 
There's just something about this season that makes our fists clench. The constant bombardment of noise in our ears is enough to drive grown men and little who children who are only two years old to tears. The nonstop commercials and holiday ads are enough to make even the jolliest among us feel a little bit mad. But soon the noises of Christmas will all go away, almost as quickly as Santa off, pulling off in his sleigh. So the chaos, the stress, the turmoil, and anger will all soon be put away like baby Jesus in that nativity manger. But there's one man whose hatred of Christmas could have rightfully grown because his wife welcomed a child that was not his own. In spite of the shepherds, the goats, and the sheep, this poor man was completely out of place in the nativity creech. This poor man named Joseph, who was betrothed to young Mary, had every reason that first Christmas to feel pretty wary. But now, once again, before I get too carried away, I think it's time to take a break from Dr. Seuss and his obsessive rhyming ways. Instead, allow me to remind you of Joseph's story, as found in the Gospel of Matthew's account of Jesus' glory. Matthew tells us this, in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. He writes, This is how the birth of Jesus Christ took place. When Mary, his mother, was engaged to Joseph, before they were married, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. Because he didn't want to humiliate her, he decided to call off their engagement quietly. As he was thinking about this, an angel from the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the child she carries has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all of this took place so that the, what the Lord had spoken through the prophet would be fulfilled. Look, a virgin will become pregnant and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did just as an angel from God had commanded him, and he took Mary as his wife. But he didn't have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son. Joseph called him Jesus. This is, of course, Matthew's story of Jesus' birth. And it's a story that's familiar to just about every one of us that's sitting inside of this sanctuary this morning. We know this remarkable story of how Jesus arrives in the world like it's the back of our hands. We know about the virgin who is found to be with child. We know about the man that she's betrothed to be married to. We know about the angels that seem to constantly pop up at just the right moment over and over again throughout these accounts. We know about the shepherds who are watching over their flocks at night who are then visited by these angels. We know about the wise men who are traveling to Bethlehem from someplace far off in the east. We've heard this story so many times that we almost have it memorized. We know it so well that we can answer even the most challenging trivia questions about it. The story is so familiar, though, that we've almost stopped paying attention to it. We've almost stopped thinking about what it must have been like for a teenage girl to find out that she was pregnant. We've almost stopped thinking about what it must have been like for the shepherds to have angels appear, out of the, uh, appear to them out of nowhere in the middle of the night. We've almost forgot 
and stop thinking about what it must have been like for these wise men to travel hundreds, if not thousands of miles just to try to see God made human. We've stopped thinking about what it must have been like to be Joseph as this whole story unfolds. Now, Matthew doesn't tell us a great deal about Joseph inside of inside of his gospel. But there are two things that we should note that we learn about Joseph in this particular passage of Scripture. Now, the first thing that Matthew tells us about Joseph is that Mary is betrothed to Joseph. Now, preachers and scholars have spilled a whole lot of ink and spilled a whole lot of time trying to explain the differences between being betrothed in ancient Israel versus being engaged in 21st century America. So I don't really want to get too caught up in the details and get bogged down here, but I want to emphasize that being betrothed is more than just being engaged. In ancient Israel society, being betrothed meant that you were essentially married for all intents and purposes except for two things. You didn't live together and you weren't intimate with each other. Other than that, you were basically considered under the law to already be a married couple. The second thing that Matthew tells us about Joseph is he calls Joseph a righteous man. And when Matthew calls Joseph a righteous man, he means one of two things. He means either that Joseph has been following the letter of the law his entire life and is therefore righteous, or he is saying that Joseph has been following the intent of the law his entire life and is therefore righteous. But either way, what Matthew is telling us is that Joseph is a good, upstanding man. He's a good, upstanding Jewish man, and what his culture says is that as a good, upstanding, righteous Jew, that Joseph deserves to be rewarded for his righteousness. Now, that doesn't mean that he deserves some kind of financial reward. Joseph doesn't deserve to have that Lexus sitting in his driveway with a big bow on top when Christmas morning rolls around. But what his culture says is that he, as a good, upstanding, righteous man, deserves a good woman to become his wife. And Joseph seems to have found that, that woman in Mary. They were now betrothed to each other. Soon they would be legally and formally married, and their happily ever after would quickly begin. But then something extremely unexpected happened on their way to the altar. Mary becomes pregnant, and everything changes. Mary becomes pregnant, and everything changes changes. Joseph was supposed to become a father, but not like this. Mary was supposed to carry his baby, not somebody else's. And with every passing day as Mary's pregnancy progressed and she reached different milestones, Joseph was constantly reminded that this baby that she was carrying wasn't his. When Mary came to Joseph and told him that she was with child, Joseph couldn't do what so many expectant fathers do and pick up that phone and call his mom and dad and say, guess what, you're going to be grandparents. As the baby grew and Mary started to show, Joseph couldn't do what everyone else in his culture would have been doing, every other man would have been doing, and that would have been striding around town with his head held high, knowing that he was going to continue on his family's line and lineage. When he placed his hand on Mary's stomach and felt that baby kick for the very first time, Joseph couldn't do what every other expecting father does and beam with delight over this life that was forming 
and growing. And even when the baby arrived with that one final push, when Joseph held him in his own hands, in his own arms for the very first time, the tears that he cried weren't just tears of joy because that baby he was holding in his hands wasn't his son. Instead, the announcement of this child, the growth of this child, the first kick and the baby's arrival in this world reminded Joseph that he was not this child's father. So Joseph had every right to be mad. Joseph had every right to be angry. Joseph had every right to walk away from his betrothed Mary. He had every right to walk away from her unborn child. He had every right to shun this baby. Joseph had every right to hate that first Christmas. But instead, Joseph does the unthinkable. Matthew's Gospel told us when he woke up, he did just as an angel from God commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. He brought Mary home. He made her his wife. And then he does something truly amazing. When Mary's baby is born, Joseph names him Jesus. Joseph names the baby Jesus. Now naming a child doesn't mean a whole lot in our culture today. Sure, expectant parents will get together and they'll go through those baby name books and, and bicker back and forth until they try until they arrive upon the perfect name. And sure, in our culture, we'll sit down with our families and we'll banter back and forth with our spouses and we'll try out and see how different names may fit. But in American culture, a name really is just a name. It's something that we put on a child before they enter into this world. But that's not how names work in Israel's culture. Naming means a whole lot. The names that pick out reveal something about the character of the person. But they also tell us something deeply about the ones who name them. When Joseph names Jesus, it means way more than just giving this child an aim that an angel told them to give. When Joseph names this baby, a baby that was not his biological child, Joseph announces to the world that Jesus is his own. By giving Jesus this name, Joseph essentially takes the legal step of adopting this child and saying, this child is mine. I have named him. I will raise him as my own. And with that one act, naming this baby, Joseph took Jesus as his own son. With this one act, Joseph showed all of us what the first Christmas and every Christmas is really all about. Christmas isn't about packages and presents carefully wrapped and topped off with bows. Christmas isn't about unwrapping socks and underwear or other sorts of clothes. Christmas isn't about receiving the keys to a shiny new car. And Christmas isn't about receiving a video game where you can pretend to be a rock star. Christmas isn't about candy canes, cookies, and other sweet treats. 
Christmas isn't about getting toe socks that you can put down on your feet. Christmas isn't about a new coat, scarf, or glove. Christmas is truly a season of love. Christmas is truly a season of love. And even though he was a monster covered with fur that was green, even the Grinch managed to learn what Christmas really means. So let's watch the clip where the Grinch gets it. Tim? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. Puzzled and puzzled till his puzzle of a saw. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. Christmas came through, and the Grinch found the strength of ten Grinches, plus two. In that scene, the Grinch learns that Christmas isn't about ribbons or boxes or tags. It's not about packages, presents, or bags. What we learn through the story of Joseph is what Christmas is really all about. The way that Joseph adopted Jesus and took him as his own son. It's the way that God treats all of us. God loves us even when God doesn't need to love us. God adopts us as his own children even when we don't deserve it. Even when God has every right to be mad about the way that we live our lives and the choices that we make, God still loves us and wants us to be his own. So may all of our hearts grow three sizes this Christmas. And may the world find God's love in each of us as we go about our holiday business. May we each be the first who come to fulfill the desires of mankind and help to bind all people in one heart and mind. May we bid envy, strife, and quarrel cease and fill all this world with heaven's peace. And maybe, maybe if we do, we can help other people's hearts grow three sizes, too. But even if we can't, We come out ahead whenever we love, and we show the world what God is really made of. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for reminding us what this season is about. The season is an expression of your love. 
a love that you showed to us when you sent your son into this world. God, we thank you for the story that we've read today where we've heard how Joseph adopted Jesus as his own, even when Joseph had every right to be angry and upset and mad about the situation he found himself in. And God, that's a perfect analogy for the way that you feel about us. Even when you have every right to be angry and mad and upset with us, you still call us your own. You still love us more deeply than we will ever know. So God, help us to experience this love, but also to share this love with others. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey everybody, it's Adam again. I hope that this sermon challenged you, encouraged you, and inspired you to take the next step in your relationship with Christ. If it did, then take a second and subscribe to our podcast. We drop a new sermon every Monday, and if you subscribe, you'll never miss it. And if you'd like to help someone else take the next step in their relationship with Christ, then take a minute and leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Your review goes a long way to help us share this podcast with others.